Cars today are safer, more reliable, and packing more technology than ever before. But if you're looking for an appliance on wheels, this isn't your show. We want to help everyone find a car they'll really love, capable on the commute, and a laugh on your favorite road. If you take the long way home, this is for you. New cars, used cars, whatever your budget, whatever your needs, if you like to drive, we want to help. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. So with every passing week, this podcast grows a little bit, which is awesome because you guys are sending in more and more car debates, which we love. Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is where to send those. And we've mentioned that on our Facebook page, right before we record this every time, we post a little thing where we say, hey, we're about to record. What questions do you have? Mm -hmm. And boy, have you responded to that because the list, Paul's like, I want to cover all of them. And I said, buddy, what happens when it's 50 questions? Because well, we're headed yeah. that way. <laughs> you guys, right. which, is, which is awesome. Thank you so much. Don't, don't stop. I'm, I'm not suggesting stop. I'm just suggesting <laughs> yeah. thank you for your amount of interaction with this podcast. So we're back again. And, you know, there's been a couple questions that lead me towards something I wanted to ask you anyway, Paul. All right. All and right. that is, catch me up on the M2, because one of the ones that I noticed, and this wasn't even specifically related to the podcast, it's just a couple weeks ago, Jalopnik posted a review where they said, why buy the M2 when you could buy the Denon M235i? I swear, about every couple <laughs> hours, somebody sent us that link. So talk about that. Talk about the M2. I want to know the update. This is funny. I actually called the dealership that I plunked down my deposit with today because I decided, huh, maybe I'll just embark on this little one month, every month checkup, check-in kind of thing. Sure. And so I called it. appropriate. Uh, it was actually mm -hmm. today, the day that we're recording the podcast, represents one month from when I gave them my $1,000. So I thought, all right, mm -hmm. what are you doing with my money? And uh, mm -hmm. let's have some information. And so I got on the phone and I, it's not that I'm disappointed. It's just a little bit longer lead time than I thought. Because the guy I talked to said, well, BMWs being even more cagey and more secretive in an effort huh. to create demand and those deposits are being funneled or eligible to go to M3s and M4s to continue demand and keep that up. And I thought, hmm. OK, well, I'm still really wanting the M2 and you know, have consumed videos on the M2 just like you, just like everybody listening. We've watched endlessly yeah. – both you and Which I are you want it more. eager to get into the car. Yep. And you're yep. right, that it's working. And th I think that's what BMW is counting on. All this is working. It makes us want it more. And sure. so then you said, well, yeah, that you know, you wrote in, people wrote in about this Denon M235i. And I thought to myself, well, for many reasons, I still want the M2, even though the Denon car is more horsepower, fantastic mm -hmm. handling. The it's article is well written. And I thought, all right, I, I still want the M2 for many reasons. But this guy at the dealership was telling me that each dealer is allotted one car as a teaser car. And he named it some special name. Those yeah, of you listening yeah. might be able to, to uh, give me the name of that, whatever it is, the, the special build, which is a teaser it's, it's car. It's a you can't have one car. Yeah, It, I, it I very it. much yeah. is. And then they are authorized to sell that one car. Some dealerships are marking it sure. up. Others are just selling it outright. And so they're starting to trickle out, but it's a get people excited, take test drives, mm. you know, have it on the showroom floor kind of thing to bring in orders and that sort of thing. And so sure. what he left me with was this, I'm fifth on the list at this dealership. And he said, they're probably <laughs> looking at their first build nine months from now, from today. the day Unbelievable. That we're... And I just went, all right. <laughs> so side note, what this has done is actually caused me to reconsider this interim sports car, the Honda S2000 that you've suggested. Not that I think it's Wait, a bad idea. Seriously? I've actually put more thought because I, I'm thinking, well, I want something that is – I don't know if I'm going to get bored. I mean, I, this this might sound like heresy. We know and love the S2K, but I think, I, yeah. am I going to want something yeah. more substantial, more, am I going to want a Porsche? Am I going to want something that really, <laughs> I, I really want versus just a, it's kind of, I, it's I it's have a to stop you for a second. You start every day with, do I want a Porsche? That's not news. <laughs> That's true. I, I wake mean, up and go, yeah. Do I want a Porsche? Yeah. I think. I think I'd like a Porsche. Yeah, I, that's that's not news. Go on. Sorry. 
So uh, anyway, that's that's a bit of a side note. But this Deenan versus the M2, I still want the M2 because of those magical little sure. numbers on the back. Now, yeah, the Deenan car has more power. It probably handles as well or better the way they've done it. But the last sentence in that very well-written article caught my attention and made me pause. And it was the whole reason mm. I continued to want the M2s. Mm. And that was, huh, if the M235i by Deenan is this good... I wonder what a Dean and M2 is going to be like. And I went, oh, yeah, you no did kidding. it. You, you shot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Of course. So, you know, the, the flared fenders, the fact that it is an M2, it is definitely mm-hmm. set up for track. Mm-hmm. It is built beefier right out of the factory. The Deenan, you can buy parts. You can screw all kinds of parts to it, which is great. However, sure. the M2 is already yeah, yeah. built that way. And therefore, I think the long-term residual value would be ultimately better and – then what do you, the things you do to an M2, it's just – it's now leapfrogged, theoretically, that M235i. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Plus the fact I just want it. I just <laughs> want it. And well, I, I mean, let's I be honest. That's what that we're shallow. all about here. It's, I hate to be that shallow. But, well, but we talk about – this is a whole, one of the whole reasons the, po- the podcast exists is we want people to get into cars. I mean I know I say this over and over. We want people to get into cars that you love, that you're excited about. Mm-hmm. And, and there would be that part of you. That if you had the Dean and M235i, I know you, there'd be a part of you that would keep thinking, would I like the M2 more? That, I, that's I get it. it. And I, it's that little catch, like, huh, mm-hmm. this is great, and it, and You know, the other thing that we've talked about a lot, and, you know, it's come up more as we've tuned this FRS, is there is, and we've talked about it recently, there is a tipping point, I feel like. And I feel like it's five to seven grand. Depends on what the car really costs. But I feel like sure. there's a tipping point at the five to seven grand range where once you put five to seven grand into a car to tune it, you probably just should have bought a more expensive car. I mean, and I'm not right. in, I'm not including right. tires and consumables. I'm talking about you change the engine, you change the whatever it is, okay, to to seek out better performance from the car. You know, the people that are putting twenty grand into a twenty thousand dollar car is part of me going buy a forty thousand dollar car. I mean, I you know, so that's right. that's part of this discussion right. as well. You know, it's it's funny, and so therefore, hopefully, that will answer a few of those guys. Folks that have written in from Facebook asking, what's the update with the M2? We will get to those questions, but that is sort mm-hmm. of the big update right now. Well, and I'm entertained h- by my on. thoughts. You yeah, I was going to say, what, are, what else are you, are you toying with now? Because this is, this is news <laughs> to me. I mean, I thought the S2000 was a front runner, But I will say the worst thing to ever happen to you and I is the Internet when it comes to looking up cars. It, and you did that great list that's now on the website about all your secret sites you're looking for. So where, <laughs> where's your head now? Well, so all these – these sort of second-guessing sort of thoughts. I love the S2K mm-hmm. idea. I love it. It is a great car. I'm having a little bit of trouble finding finding cars that are perfectly stock because there's a lot of tasteless, overly-tuned ones out there. And then the ones sure. that are really right in the sweet spot, I feel like they're asking a little bit too much money. They're worth like 15 mm. 16 mm. and they're asking nineteen twenty. I'm going, eh. Sure. I don't think so. And so if you really want to let it go, then you're going to have to come down. But I don't know if people will do that. Mm, I, haven't, mm. I haven't really gotten into it yet. So my thoughts are entertaining me, and I'm just allowing myself to be entertained by these thoughts that creep in. And I told you about I'm that. I'm frightened. <laughs> I told I'm you about that Blue Lotus. On one of the sites, MGM, so that's Marshall Goldman, they do all uh-huh. kinds of exotics. But they have the 01 $20,000 Boxster S. They, they do a wide range. And that Blue Lotus mm-hmm. Avora is back for sale. And I went, Grr. and then, of course, I went to the West, West Covina Lotus site and found yeah, that yeah. one remaining black on tan six-speed manual. That's the only one they have oof, left. Oof. And I went, ah, shoot. And then I thought, all right, for that price, I love Caymans. I love the new 981 Cayman. What about a Cayman yeah. S? And then that led me to a Cayman <laughs> GTS. And I went, ah. And we're God. See, see, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, see, see how how quickly we return to the pool of Porsche with Paul. There's, there's Man. really, you know, it's it's like a vortex. Honestly, there's really no getting out. Um, Sucking yeah. me back in. So I and I think Seriously. okay, if it's going to be now a full year or eighteen months before I even begin to sniff at the heels of my M2, mm-hmm. I think it's at least eighteen months. Then, I do. I think it's at least eighteen months. You know, do I still want the car? Yeah, I can be patient till then. But I'm going to want something more substantial. To your point, you can do so many things to a car to make it better, or you can get a more expensive car that you really want that is more beautiful yeah. or speaks to you more or, 
you know, yes, it's a disease. It's the hole down which we pour money. But I don't want to get to mm -hmm. the point where I want to just tune it. And then I've turned into one of the tuner guys who just throw money at it to make it do, get a better car, get a better, faster car to start with. And it's more yeah. fun and enjoyable. And so that's what led me to the Cayman GTS. And I found one. Uh, I shouldn't even. I shouldn't even. Because I thought, well, Seriously? I've never had a 911. I should look at 911s. And then I went back to Caymans because we love Caymans. The balance, the handling. Yeah. That yeah, the, I, I would get a Cayman over 911. The base Cayman that, that we loved. Me, now think of the Cayman S and now think of the Cayman GTS. Yeah. And, and just. Of course. You're, you're walking up the ladder of Porsche. They, they have you stuck in their <sighs> black hole. There's just, it's, it's all bad. And, I, and I'm going to say what I've said to you before. If I had your budget and was looking as you, you are, I would have bought an Evora six months ago. I just I would have, but that's the cars that I love. Sure, so I get sure. it. I think it's fascinating that you're back to cars of serious money. But I take your point. I mean, <laughs> and I've said to you before that my fear for you was that it was going to be 18 months. And I think based on this call mm -hmm. today, it probably will be every bit of 18 months. Which, if you think about it from a from our Utah perspective, that's two summer driving seasons before you have this right? car. Yeah, which is frustrating. This one, so therefore, and next year's get something substantial that I love. And this little okay. thought creeps into my head. It's not original, but I've seen it on a car website, one of the many that I've written about. It's shocking. You can't drive money. He he. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you can't drive money. You know, it's not smart to waste all your money, but yeah. <sighs> so I'm I mean, honestly, of... that's the discussion of trying to get your money back out of it. And that would be right. honestly, I think that's right. part of the problem with an Evora, unless you got a screaming deal on one originally, is that you're going to lose some cash on that deal, which is too bad. But um, and that's but, why I came no, back the, to Porsche. They're, they will <laughs> hold their value. They will somewhat. I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I like. I'm not saying do this unless you because you really can't swing it. But I think the GT4 will hang on to its value all day long. I think yes, the, the yes. lesser Caymans won't. But you know, okay, a GTS is going to hang on to its value to, better than a base. To a lesser but, yeah, okay, of course. But you're you're back at you're back at freaking Porsche, man. I mean, I look, know. I like them too, <laughs> I but I just so want you to branch out. I mean, who knows? I, I guess. I guess it's a whole new free for all. We'll see where where this mm -hmm. goes. But this is uh, this is news to me because I thought we were I thought we were so close with the S two thousand. And and we anyway, we could be right. we could all be right. because then I think well don't spend the money don't don't you know be responsible don't spend that kind of money get just a interim spend sixteen or seventeen grand and just be happy yeah. with it and yeah. just and you'd enjoy it and it. you would enjoy it. I think interesting. Would all I enjoy right. it for about eleven minutes though, <laughs> and then go well, but. It's yeah, but I mean, I think what you'd use I don't it for. Know. I mean, one of the things I I think about in the interim, and one of the reasons I'm sorry, I got to beat the S2000 drum again. But but the fact that one of the main things you're going to do with that car is either hard canyon runs or tracking. Yeah. So you're going to drive it hard. Yeah. And you know the hard the, the canyon runs. It'd be fun to have a convertible, even though you and I aren't normally convertible guys. You right, get a really gorgeous right. day in a nice canyon, and having the top down is cool. I will acknowledge that. So you have that benefit. And you could take that S2000 to a track and beat on it and never really worry about it. And, you know, I, yeah, I, yeah. part of me wonders about your consumable realities doing, a, you know, tracking an Evora or tracking a, a Cayman GTS. I mean, oh, they're I think far they higher. both could take it. But, far yeah, higher. your consumables are going to be much higher. Oh, absolutely. So, you Without know, a if doubt. You're, if you're going to just burn through stuff, a part of me feels like, all right, let's burn through stuff at a lower level. And then, yeah. you know, that M2 is coming. But I, you know, look, this is just me rambling, and you and I are not agreeing, and you want a Porsche. None of this is a surprise to anyone in the audience. <laughs> well, maybe everybody's surprised because I've been sort of towing with this idea, and now about 25% of me is sort of looking up and around and going, oh, my M2 is way, way out there. I don't know if I'll ever yeah. see one. Yeah. What else this is should the nature I get? Of it. Huh. We've got to get we've got to get that car on camera soon. That M two. We've got we some do. cool ideas to we get do. that car on camera. So if you randomly wind up with an M two and you are either and you are west of Denver, let us know. We'll come shoot your car. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah so I'm throwing will. that out there. We should get to a car It'll today be, actually because we have. Want it more. Uh, which will be a bummer. Anyway, <laughs> we uh, we we are we're doing one car debate tonight because of your Facebook questions, and then we're going to kind of explain uh, our format going forward. But uh, we have a car debate this evening from Doug, who's writing to us from Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, to his credit, he owns a car he really likes that we have talked up a lot, and I love it when people write in and just go, "This is a great car." He has a 2014 Mazda 3 Touring. So. Here he has a, you know, what you would think on the surface is a very normal car. 
And yet he keeps talking about how this is a great car. He talks about he used to own an RX-8, which we've talked about as being a great handling car. He can't believe that this Mazda 3 almost handles as well as that old RX-8. We've said it before. I'm saying it again. In that class of the Civics of the world, the Corollas, the Sentras, please, please, please go buy a Mazda 3. It's a great car, and he has one, and he loves it. But there's a question. There's an itch. <laughs> There's a lot of good information here in this email, Doug. I really love it because you've written not only that you love your Mazda 3, and, and I love your sentence here, for being a vanilla commuter car, which it is, and considering mm-hmm. what you want and this itch that it needs to be scratched, he's impressed with how well it actually does in the canyons and mm-hmm. just doing yeah. some fun stuff. And he's surprising himself. The car is surprising him. And so, therefore, he's thinking, he's given us two situations here to think huh, well, should I keep it? Because I like it. It's paid for. Should I keep that as the mm-hmm. daily driver over mm-hmm. here and just continue on with it and pick up a sports coupe, something that does scratch the itch for yep. ten to 15000 And so he gave us some suggestions here. Or the other choice here would be to sell it and move on to something completely different, stretch mm-hmm. hard, and go up to 50K. He mentioned the M2, and I'll say, well, if you, if you do decide that, Doug, you might want to get your money in now for about three years from now, based on what I'm, I'm experiencing. You might have one before people have a Model 3, or maybe not. <laughs> or yeah. maybe not. That's hilarious. Um, anyway, so, uh, wow, if you think about that, the autonomous car is going to come right about the time that everybody gets their very analog watch. They're very yep. analog driving right. experience. Two dichotomies right. available right about the same time. Huh. It'll be interesting. I totally agree. I don't yep. know what to do with that thought. Anyway, yep. um, love your list here, Doug, too, about other cars that you've driven. Because, of course, we encourage our listeners, we encourage you to go drive things. If you're considering something Absolutely. and you think you're going to like that, go drive it. Because you might mm-hmm. be meeting your high school hero and you're severely disappointed because they're a drug addict and they're overweight and balding. So you might be disappointed. <laughs> No, but but on the other end of the spectrum, though, we always recommend that people go drive cars that might not be on their list because you never know when you'll be surprised. You've been surprised by your Mazda 3, Doug. I mean, that's the thing. The more things you drive, the more you go, huh, I didn't realize this was this good. And it gives you a much broader just perspective to come from on cars. You listed cars you've driven. And what's great about it is you've listed what you you do and don't like about them, what starts to, to hone our list pretty well. You have two Dodges on here. You have the Charger, which you said, great car, but too big, not for you. Challenger, same problem. Also great car, but too big, not for you. Uh, Chevy Camaro, really liked it, and no shock to anybody, couldn't handle the limited visibility. So yeah, there's the kind yeah. of the American options. What else? Uh, Evo. Uh, I, I believe yeah. you're referring here to the Evo 10. And I suspect so, yeah. Uh, Doug, you said you like this. Interior subpar, as is the WRX STI. Although mm-hmm. True of both cars. Yeah, they're fun, cars. but yeah, that's... That, well, but here's the thing. Even compared to your Mazda 3, yes, those are poor interiors. Mm-hmm. And your Mazda 3 is cheaper and technically is kind of listed as the guy below it. And yet it's just that interior is much better than you would think for the price point. It feels pretty pretty high end. It feels almost like you know, you're dealing in the, in the 3 Series Beamer kind of world of interiors, but you're not at that price. So, yeah, the Evolution and the STI are going to fall down in that world on interiors. Sure, sure. Uh, what else is on here? MR2 Spider. Although you've driven mm-hmm. that car, you like that quite a bit, don't you? I I like it. It is it's kind of the unsung car in that world because it is a mid-engine car. You know, we're we're talking about the Spider here. It is it is a mid-engine car. It's very chuckable. It is less forgiving than a Miata, mostly because it's mid-engine. It's 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 almost like you blended the dynamics of a Lotus Elise and the dynamics of a Miata. It's somewhere in the middle. Hmm. And I think it's it's very underappreciated, but you acknowledge that it's very limited visibility with the top up, and you're right. The top on that is just it's oddball. Granted, convertibles are like that anyway. So you don't think that's for you. You used to own a V6 Mustang, so that's got you looking at both the new EcoBoost and the V8. Uh, V8 was kind of your preference. And then you've kind of thrown out this wild card of, what about a BMW 3 Series? I, I've always liked them, but should I get into the German cars, never owned one? And then we have this debate. Okay, keep the Mazda or <laughs> sell the Mazda and stretch for 50. And I have a couple of thoughts. I'm curious where you went. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Of course. Eight Paul's thoughts. here. Paul's here and he brought his list. <laughs> Eight thoughts and a wild card. And I'm trying to 
I, I'm just liking these to suggestions. Uh, of course, that's what they are. <laughs> and I will go in order, but I, I, I'm trying to rectify this against my uh, my conversation at the top of the podcast about, you know, mm, mm. just chucking everything to the wind and, and you can't drive money, so get something you really want. But I haven't done that with Doug. I we are not. fantastic financial planners. For all of you out there, this really ought to be listed as a Wall Street podcast because what we can do is <laughs> – really, right. no, that's that's terrible. Anybody a CPA anyway. out there who'd like to help us out with the financial planning? I'm just kidding. Because um, uh, unless <laughs> – anyway, unless you're investing in cars for uh, yeah for investment purposes, this isn't All these guys' ideas money. are terrible is, what, is the <laughs> yeah, Wall Street pretty, assessment pretty of our podcast. Pretty anyway, much. yeah, go on. Uh, all right. So I started uh, – I, I chose option one. I chose door number one, the red pill or whatever you want to call it, as mm -hmm. keeping the Mazda as your daily, Doug, and mm -hmm. shooting for a 10 to 15. I did stretch it to like 17. I hope that's okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and get you so you have two cars so you can always think, all right, I've got the reliable. I've got the daily. I can always yeah. use that for whatever you need it. But I've got this new thing over here, this new toy that I didn't spend too much money on. And I know you're going to say, take your own medicine, Paul. Take your own medicine. Go buy a Honda S2K. I know you're going to tell me that. And I'm hearing well, your voice of, in my yeah. head. <laughs> I, I know this. But uh, I, I'm sticking with it. I'm, I'm going well, to work it. I, I, want, I want to pause you just briefly to say that the, in, in this one's launching category, though, I want to agree with you. Because one of the th no, I, 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 I went with option A as well. Because. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did. And I, and I suspect we'll pick different cars, but I went with option A as well because of the couple of things that you said here, Doug. And one is you still really like your Mazda 3. There's nothing about it that does – it sounds like it's almost still surprising you. So the thing I like about you keeping that is it gives you some grounding and some reliability and a known quantity. And that allows you, I think, to go crazier with the other car you get. You can just try something. Mm -hmm. Because you're not, you know, all your money into something, money. and if yeah. for whatever reason it's not working for you, or you decide you don't like it, now you've got a much bigger problem. You have the known commodity that you already like that will just run and be good and is is fun. Great. Now let's go find something focused, razor sharp that meets the rest of your budget. And if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like go that on. thinking. Go on. Uh, all right. So here's where we started, and that is a 2012 or 2013 Hyundai Genesis Coupe. So the 2.0. Turbo mm. could be an okay. interesting place to start, interesting to consider. That kind of led me to Todd's car. Why, why not consider the FRS, the GT86 triplets, twins, whatever we call them now, Scion's dead. Sure. So a 2013 sure. yeah. is right about 17K now. I don't know if you've yeah, that's true. kept looking at that's those, true. but the prices continue to drop. And mm -hmm. decent miles, decent shape, 17,000. You could probably pick one up for 15, but let's call it 17. Get yourself a nice one. Probably. And, probably, yeah. you know, we've talked about the virtues of that car endlessly, and we continue to, and we continue to have good yeah. ideas for upcoming comparisons, and you'll be intrigued with uh, with what we're going to do in the future here with that car. But, uh, you know, tunable, so. all that kind of stuff. Um, what else? Uh, you mentioned the 370Z, or no, you mentioned a 350 mm -hmm. And I thought, well, 350Z or an older Mustang is what he mentioned. Yeah, right, right, right. Possibles. And I thought, well, if we're talking Nissan, why not go 09370Z for fifteen, seventeen, somewhere in there? Can you can you get those? Have they hit that low already? Believe so. With with uh, more than fifty thousand miles, so in the seventeen. Sure, of course. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not your main car, so okay. You know, maybe, maybe that's okay. It's Japanese, so. Mm -hmm. Hopefully mm -hmm. you're not going to be pouring too much money at it. Um, and then uh, based on everything we've been talking about so far, of <laughs> course, the 04 plus, you know, AP2 Honda S2000. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe both you and I are shopping for the same car here. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> See if you can outbid Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm laughing at myself when I say that. I'm, I'm completely laughing at myself. Uh, all right, so that led me to your comment in here where you've never owned a German car and you're intrigued yep. Yep. but a That's little key. bit afraid mm -hmm. by the repair costs. So here mm -hmm. are now the remaining five are ways to get into a German car without spending Ooh. too much money. Ooh. Wow. Okay. All right. Because I've got some of this stuff too, but keep going. I do. Keep going. Okay. All right. So yeah, on, yeah. on uh, the Marshall Goldman site, uh, 01 Porsche Boxer S, $20,000. With 27,000 yeah. miles, that's practically brand new. I'm sure yeah. it's been yeah. barely driven, never tracked. Yeah. It, it looks brand new on the website. Twenty grand 
Boxster S, throw the top down, mid-engine, wow. For 20 grand and you're in the German realm, that could mm-hmm. be interesting. Uh, sure. What You've else? You've blown his budget, but I take your point. <laughs> I, I have. I've kind of ruined that. Yeah, I understand. I, um, but this is what we do. I get it. Go on. Go on. Um, what else? Porsche 944. So both non-turbo. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I found an 87 and an 89. One was 17,000 and one was 15,000. And they had pretty low miles. They were not beat down. They were not tracked. Mm-hmm. Perfectly stock. The crazy 80s, you know, sort of champagne, metallic, fish scale exterior with bright red interior. Oh, you know, that thing that wow. Porsche did. I'm sorry. You've got to be able to shop and find a better <laughs> one than that. Actually, I, I want to stop there because I have the 944 on my list. Oh, you do? The thing okay, about it cool. is... For ten to fifteen grand, you can definitely find one of those. It may not be in pristine shape. It probably won't be a turbo, but it, it allows you to, to, to dip dip your 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 toes in a couple of pools. One, you can try an older, more analog world of cars. You can try that. You can try German, and you can try Porsche. Mm-hmm. I will acknowledge that mm-hmm. those nine forty fours, especially the turbos, they can be money pits. The turbos, we've heard many people that have had money pit issues. But look at the one that we drove. I mean, that guy had very little money in it. It ran really well, and it was an incredible car to drive. Yeah, it so was. the 944, it because was. of the low cost of entry, is worth it. It's a car that you could probably find a pretty good example for 10 or 12 and just keep the rest of the money in your back pocket for stuff that it invariably will need. But, you know, I, I also feel like this – I'm creating a scenario here. I feel like there's also a situation here, Doug, where you're – Let's say you plan to keep your Mazda 3 two more years. So, okay, get a car that needs to last you two years. So you have a fun car and your Mazda 3 for a couple of years. I think that 944 could treat you well for that amount of time. I, I, that's just my, my instinct. I was also thinking non-turbo for the you know less maintenance, less mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. less possibility about something blowing up. That less kind cost, of thing. all of the above. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought non-turbo. Yeah, that way you can, as Todd said, multiple pools. Hopefully none of them have blender blades at the bottom. And uh, you won't be out out a bunch of money. All right. So last two, that led me to a 97 BMW Z3 for the 40. You really went there because so did I. You, well, all right. Then I'm going to end. That that was the precursor to the wild card. And I I went BMW M Roadster for $17,000 and their pristine 41,000 miles for 17K. On a 2000, a year 2000 BMW M Roadster, that's a little monster. And that could be your way into German cars for not a lot of cost, a lot of horsepower. And wow, there's a bunch of them for sale and a bunch of nice Mm. ones. So M Roadster, really? That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't gone there. Here, here's where I went. I mean, you brought up the 350, Doug, and you know, I have to say a couple things about the 350. If you've seen our three generations of the Z car, 300, 350, 370, the 350 was our least favorite. Now I say that, and of course, all the 350 fans out there have cried (laughs) at us for not knowing what we're talking about, and that's fine. You're you're welcome to feel wherever you want. I will say a couple things about the 350 here. First off, if you're spending 15 grand, I think you're going to be hard pressed to find a 370. I would tell you 370 over 350, but at your budget, you may just get a 350 and embrace it. It will be a very fun car. My headspace was trying to get you into something you haven't had before that will be agile. I just want to get mm-hmm. you into that world. So the 350 would be a great idea. It is a very agile car. It's got a great gearbox, good engine. And I will also say this. You haven't mentioned if you want to autocross or track. There's a growing percentage of people that are now tracking the 350Z. That is becoming kind of the step up from the uh, the NASA day Miata. It's kind of the step because they now have their own spec race. You can do 350 spec races. So they have tons of support. Tons of places you can take a 350 and race it. They have their own classification. Tons of parts. They're reliable. Uh, honestly, if you were telling me I want to autocross and track day this car, I think that 350 rises even further because it is a very accessible and quasi-affordable, even though racing isn't, way into that world. <laughs> so I, 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 I do like the 350 for all of those things. I've already mentioned yeah. the 944. I had two others. And you've said here, Doug, that you're not really a two-seater guy, but if you're going to keep the daily driver, we talk about liking the dynamics of small two-seaters so much you'd consider it. I say definitely consider it, especially if you haven't really done the agile thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just a different animal. Now, you had an RX-8. That's in this world. So let's embrace that further. Rear-wheel drive, small stuff. I had two others. One was... Go drive 
a hardtop NC Miata. That's the third-gen Miata with a hardtop. Yeah, yeah. So it okay. takes you away from just the full convertible thing. It makes it kind of a more usable car. Watch our four generations of Miata piece. We are very big fans of that NC. You could find one for this budget, no question. You would get a reliable car that would just – that is that is the definition of fun car. You have your Mazda 3 for everything else. Granted, it gives you an all-Mazda garage. It's not my intention. Yeah, it keeps but you in the Mazda your, your, family. That's funny. Yeah, seriously. But you have your Miata for just fun. And you had an RX-8. It's the same chassis. That hard top is great. Consider that. And then I actually went for the because because I like getting him into German, but something that's not going to be you know a weird money pit as far as I know. I went BMW Z3 Coupe. Oh you can get yeah, that. Right. three liter straight six three. It's the classic clown shoe, and it is a bit of a love it or hate it styling. <laughs> but I had a it is. The but shoe. I had a buddy that had one. Had a buddy that had one. He had a black one. With a six-speed, and I think it was six-speed. I don't think it was a five. Anyway, he had a black one with a manual, and it was the the three-liter with the tan interior, and it's just it's unique looking. It is agile. It is quick. I really say take a hard look for your fifteen grand. You might have to go to seventeen, maybe, but for fifteen grand, I was looking. You can find them. BMW Z3, the clown shoe coupe with the three-liter, could be a really fun car. That is unique, no doubt. That is a unique car and, yeah. and head-turning for that reason because you just don't see them, mm-hmm. and they're fun. And, I remember driving that and thing, it's got too. A, yeah, it's got a great stance. Yeah, Matt had one. It's got a great yeah. stance, and, and they're, they're just flat-out fun to drive. And the thing I like so much about your scenario, Doug, if you keep the Mazda 3, is it's whatever. It's, it's just go try something. That's what I like so much about this idea. That's why I want to throw out kind of some oddballs. And I liked your list too, Paul. So hopefully, Doug, somewhere in there, you can root out a helpful uh, commentary. Well, well, you know, best of luck to you on that. But there you go. <laughs> or you can try to place a deposit on an M2. And good luck with that too. So, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Anyway. Yes, yes. So we will turn to Facebook for the Wow, you're right. Inundation. Inundation? Is that a word? In, it's, inundation. It's, well, it is now. Apparently we've in, coined it. Inundation quasity yeah. of, of... Wow, stop. Seriously, let it go. Let it go. Thank you guys for questions. inundating us. I'll try to save Paul with all of these Facebook questions. There are many. I've written down a few, like my top ten of them. That wasn't intended, but it's just ended up being some from when we posted this last week, some we didn't get to, some new ones. You guys are asking stuff all over the map. Thank you for these great questions, and I love that we can kind of run through a few things and cover a lot of cars. Yeah, um, this is cool. Uh, yeah, know, pick Nick, something. Pick something. Yeah, Nick asked last week, uh, he asked, uh, have you guys ever driven the Suzuki Kazashi? Have you ever driven that? I have. Have you ever driven it? No. Did you do that at a track day one time? Yeah, I got in at a track day. You did. Here's the thing about the Kazashi. I feel like the Suzuki Kazashi, and that was their, their you know small, think of it like a WRX-sized all-wheel drive. It almost looks like the current Infinity styling on something the size of a WRX. So that's their Suzuki Kazashi all-wheel drive, uh, you know, quasi-sports sedan. It was their last car before Suzuki pulled the ripcord and left the U.S. market for cars. And I have to say, it reminds me of, it feels like the Suzuki equivalent of the Pontiac G8. You make a really interesting, dynamic car, and then you're done. Look, I I think, you know, obviously the WRX is more robust and more well-known. But the Kazashi is, it's better than you think it is. That's the thing about that car. I actually like I don't the styling know it's a, on it a lot. It looks I agree. Great. Every time I see one, I turn my head at it. It's a great looking car. I don't think it's like a, you know, blows anything else out of the water, but it is an absolutely competitive car in a small size. The Kazashi's kind of cool. I wonder where those went. Just, you know, because we know Utah has c- consumed all the Pontiac Aztecs. So I wonder what state sucked up all the Kazashis. Don't know. I mean, I've actually seen a few here in Salt Lake, uh, and I also see a good number of SX4s here as well. So really? So the all-wheel drive oh, nature funny. of it, those those bang around in here. So who knows where they all went. But you're right. For whatever reason, I hadn't seen an Aztec in, in L.A. in probably a decade. And I moved here, and I think I saw three different ones the first week. And I went, how are they all here? It's the weirdest thing ever. How but funny. Anyway. How funny. And then I know you mentioned uh, Blake Swan's question from last week. I wanted you to speak on it a little bit. He asked, uh, will Cadillac make an M2 fighter? Oh, oh, yes. This is such an interesting question. Uh, I suppose you could make a case, Blake. I suppose Cadillac could make some kind of case, but I just don't see it quite yet. I mean, I'm I'm hoping mm-hmm. it wouldn't end up as sort of the 
the new generation Cadillac Cimarron, if you know what I mean. Cadillac tries to do a small car and fails miserably by badge engineering a Chevy Cavalier. That would hopefully not be the case, <laughs> but uh, um, they just seem a bit more substantial and big. I, I put them in the Mercedes category. You know, Mercedes mm. definitely has something that would fight the M2, that um, CLA or GLA 45, I suppose, just from a sheer power sure. standpoint. Yeah, I suppose. But yeah, you, yeah, you don't yeah. put and it scale, in that category. That. You don't think, oh, I'm, I, you know, I wouldn't be shopping a CLA 45. I'm, I want the M2. I know I want the M2. Yeah. If Cadillac yeah. made one, it'd kind of be like, eh, I don't know why. Well, but, they, but I have to, I, I leave it the, I don't know why either, but I, I come there from a different angle. I mean, the thing is, we we joke about BMW. They have marketing meetings, and if they can figure out a variation of a variation of a, of a niche <laughs> yeah. market that will sell 50 cars, they'll build that for those right. 50 people. Right. Cadillac doesn't have that brand cachet. They can't pull it off. And let's be honest, in the ATS and the CTS, they have two of the best handling cars in their respective classes, and they can't sell them. So... You know, you have yeah, yeah. this big problem. It, let, let's just say for sake of argument, could you take the ATS chassis and make an M2 fighter? You might be able to, but since you can't sell the ATS or the ATS-V anywhere close to three series numbers or even two series numbers, then nobody's going to buy that car. I hate to say it, but in spite of the fact that Cadillac and kind of GM in general is doing great chassis tuning right now, and of course their magnetic ride control just makes their stuff killer, I, I don't think they can afford to do a car that would be as niche as that car would be, whereas that's kind of BMW's whole business model. Let's make niche cars. Right, right. Um, in Cadillac's racing series, uh, I believe it's the, um, what is that? Uh, Pirelli World Challenge. That's what it is. Sure. They're fast, and they are very mm. competitive. Oh, yeah. But I think, all right, a car, they've got that ATS-V coupe. Which is great. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But we think of that as yeah. a 3 Series or an M3 fighter. Now try to imagine sure. a, a Cadillac that's even smaller and more nimble. Yes, they've got this this uh, race experience to rely on and draw on. But sure, I just can't yeah. imagine that that would resonate with their buyers. Even though Cadillac's buying demographic has mm -hmm. been reduced mm -hmm. age-wise, been reduced dramatically in the last decade. Even still, I can't imagine somebody cross-shopping an M2 hot little nimble or even an M235i against a Cadillac what? Yeah. A small well, what? And, and you're right. If we need to go to a smaller chassis, we're now stuck because, you know, the the Camaro is built on the same chassis as that ATS. So there's right. not a so rating in the wing. There, yeah, there's not waiting in the wings, you know, rear wheel drive, smaller chassis than that, you know. So that is that is an interesting point as well. Right. Did you see, coming off of, of Cadillac and GM, did you see the John Falcon's question here about Ford? I am scrolling down here, scrolling down. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, John writes to us about the New York International Auto Show that he just recently went to, and he said he noticed – all the people surrounding the Hellcat, all the all the Hellcat stuff, the Chargers, the Challengers, the Viper, and he asks us, all things being equal, they seem to draw the biggest crowd outside of the high-end exotics. Well, yeah, it seems mm -hmm. to be, well, this is what the rest of us can afford. But he's asking sure. about this Viper being slated for discontinuation. John, I hadn't heard that. That's kind of a bummer if it has because I know they, yeah. they yeah, fought yeah. to get this generation of Viper pushed through, and it was. So that will be kind of a bummer if it is discontinued. Um, so yeah, no immediate successors to the yeah kind of aging Challenger Charger twins there. Um, Dodge has got to keep making product. They're pretty hot right now, but you're right. If they don't come out with the next thing that will continue to to put the spotlight on them, I don't know how much longer they can milk the Hellcat engine thing and just keep putting those engines into product. Well, I don't know how, how much know, longer they can. I agree. I agree. I mean, at some point, you've got to do a chassis update of those big boys, the, the yeah. Challenger and Charger and all that. But I do have to say this. Dodge has kind of resolutely stood their ground and remained kind of the big brawler muscle car automaker while everyone else has left them. And there is, granted, pretty much in this country alone, but there is an audience for that that remains. And if everybody else leaves, 
then they're leaving, granted it's not huge, but they're leaving a market segment behind that wants the big brawler, bragging rights, you know, difficult to handle monster car. Yeah, you know, dominate so, the market they've created for themselves, which is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, so I mean I that that might linger. And then you know, John's got uh, another question here that that came in tonight about Ford. I mean, he's wanting to cover a couple of those, a uh, couple of the big. So what happens now? Questions. He even makes the comment about being a Ford guy and wondering what Ford is doing with making all of their cars, including the new Lincoln Continental, front wheel drive biased when everybody else, Dodge, GM, even are doing large rear-wheel drive cars. What's the deal with Ford, who we acknowledge, with the exception of their Mustang, it's they're doing all kinds of front-wheel drive hotness right now, and they're doing great enthusiast cars, but he's going, why no rear-wheel drive from Ford? Which is an interesting mm-hmm. question. I, I mean, you can speak to platforms better than I can, but that's an interesting ponderance as well. I mean, much of it is a business decision influenced, as, yeah. as we all know, by marketing and what they have available, and that depends on factory allocation and where they think they can build things and get it done. It definitely affects, mm-hmm. unfortunately, it affects the design studio. As cool as a car, as is sketched and the concept is, and hey, this is going to be a, a large sedan. I even heard that Cadillac was killing their ultra-high-end large luxury sedan to really compete with Mercedes. That was kind of a bummer to hear. And now Ford, John, mm-hmm. your point is Ford is putting this uh, you know, this new Lincoln Continental on a front-wheel drive-based platform. I, I wonder if it's purely a a numbers decision and that's what affects, you know, that that's those kind of decisions that affect enthusiasts like us that think, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you bring back the you know the big continental kind of feel on a rear wheel drive platform? Yeah, yeah. People would buy it. You know, why not? I, I like your point. I, I, I'm kinda with you actually. Well, there's the there's the elephant in the room thing here, and that is, you know, GM is doing rear wheel drive. But the only reason they are, their ATS platform, their CTS platform, it's because when the American automakers in mass left rear-wheel drive, which they used to rule at, to go front-wheel drive on all of their cars for economy, and then everybody went, wow, those are boring, and nobody bought them. The only <laughs> people that, from, from American automakers that continued to push that technology forward were the Australians. So mm-hmm. you had the Ford Falcon, and you had the, the uh, what did they call the, the big, um, the big, uh, Australian equivalent of the SS down there. It's, I'm drawing a blank on it right now. But the point is, like the Commodore and all of that. Oh, the Holden so, Commodore, Vauxhall, or those Exactly, guys. all the Holdens. So if you think about it, the ATS and the CTS, the elephant in the room in both of those is, the only reason GM has those chassis is they took them from the Australians. So what I'm intrigued by is when they run the course of those two rear-wheel drive chassis, will GM corporate North America now make a replacement? So, I mean, that's the other thing is it just at some point marketing decisions were made and, and just economies of scale decisions were made to go front wheel drive. And now you're left without rear wheel drive chassis to develop, uh, you know, as far as GM's <laughs> concerned. Thank God for the Australians. Yeah. And speaking of economy of scale, generally speaking, the front wheel drive based platform is less expensive to manufacture because mm-hmm. everything crash tested, everything is really on one end of the car. The rear wheels yeah. just hold the back end of the car off the ground. That's all yeah, they do back exactly. there. So exactly. all the engineering, all that money, crash testing, it's a it's less expensive. It's more economical to go that way. And uh, yeah, I take your point. Even though I like what Mercedes is doing now, because you think of the E class and they've been the the rear mm-hmm. wheel drive bruiser, and same with the BMW 5 Series. Well, now they're doing an all wheel drive sort of 40 60 split. Maybe still rear wheel drive bias, but they still have the all wheel drive that will kick in. I like what Mercedes is doing in that sense. It's not full Audi Quattro, yeah. but it's it's their take on mm-hmm. it. So it still feels like that rear wheel drive feeling. <laughs> But you do have the all-wheel yeah. drive to rely on. They're, they're trying to keep nice. their customers coming back and not dead somewhere in a ditch or off a cliff. I mean, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the thing about the hooligans over at AMG. They keep throwing as much power as they can. I mean, they have led the horsepower war for so long. And they practically, in some cases, I mean, I remember driving that uh, Cadillac. I mean, not Cadillac. What am I saying? The, I remember driving the Mercedes C63 AMG, the last version, yeah. on the same track oh, day yeah. as the M3. And the C63 was pretty much one of those cars, don't put your foot on the gas until you've got the wheel straight unless you want to get the back out. 
That's, that, the, the, this is the equation. You want to stay in, stay tracking your line. Don't touch the gas. Okay, you're going straight now. You can. So I mean, that, that's what the other reason for their all-wheel drive thing is just honestly to kind of preserve their customer base because you know you're launching yourself off a cliff. Anyway, but yeah. I, I I've called Mercedes the Chevy of Germany, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they're the Dodge of Germany. And uh, my, well, and, I mean, and, maybe they are. And when you do. Here's the thing. When you do that, people get so up in arms. I know. But what's <laughs> but what's funny? I mean, look at our look at our latest uh, C class uh, AMG review. But I mean, but but I your point that gets missed there is you're talking about that kind of hooligan demeanor. Right. There right. it exists in Mercedes. They're not making the same kind of cars, but it exists in Mercedes in the same way that it does in big bruiser former American, you know, stereotypical cars. And I agree with that. Mercedes definitely has that going on in some parts of its of its company. And I'm, I'm talking anyway. about the spirit of it, not the building quality or Absolutely. the engineering Absolutely. or on and on. And no, of course, on. I get that. I get that. That feeling. So, so yeah. What else on here? What else did you? Uh, jump out at you from well i mean jonathan drake wrote about asking a question we've talked about before if you go back to our tire rack discussion from first year of our uh, of our podcast uh he asked a question here about okay so why do the tire swap why because i'm actually about to do it i'm about to swap the frs and actually even my wife's cayenne we actually had a snowstorm this past week and got uh, four inches about two days ago and now it's 60 degrees so it is spring in utah (laughs) um so we're about to do the swap from full winters back to full summers and his question jonathan i I love this question because he asks the question okay why do the swap instead of just buying all seasons and We've talked about it at length a few other times, including that Tire Rack podcast, but I'm going to do my simple answer, and that is all-season tires are like a one-size-fits-all shirt. You are dressed. Yes, you are. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you are. You're dressed. That's the, thing. the end. This says that, that's so. That's the thing. You are. This must clean And, and all-season tires will work <laughs> in most situations. But if you're driving hard down a canyon in all seasons in the summertime versus summer tires, your summer tires will work better. It's like having a nice tailored suit for that great dinner. Okay? It just is. Mm -hmm. And then the winter tires, it's the exact same situation. Will your all seasons work in snow? To a point, yes. But compared to winter tires doing braking and grip, there isn't a comparison. It is now a, you know, you went out and bought a winter hiking shoe. You wouldn't wear, I mean, you could wear, can you wear your, there's another better example. Can you wear your sneakers? To dinner and in the snow, you can, <laughs> right. but I mean, and they'll work. They'll, obviously, they'll work in in the nice restaurant and in the snow. But wouldn't you want to wear winter boots? And wouldn't you want to wear some nice shoes to dinner? I mean, that's what we're talking about. And so there is, honestly, look at our rear wheel drive in the snow video. When you have the proper tires on, the level of confidence, the level of information from the from the car is just that much increased. That's the reason. But it does cost more. Yeah. This ties in with a question, part two of a question from Lucas, asking about his Fiesta ST needing new tires soon. And he's asking us to recommend tires yeah. other than yeah. Michelin Pilot Supersports that we absolutely love. And Lucas, I will suggest three that both Todd and I have had good mm. experience with. I'll start with the Continental, their Extreme Contact Series. Quite good. Yeah. I've had great success with Continentals. Really liked them. I had on my Porsche 928, I had Yokohama, the Advan series, and their latest mm-hmm. on the Neova. I looked them up here. They're pretty aggressive. Uh, Yokohamas are great tires. They're soft and they, you know, cars chew through them very frequently. So yeah. I would imagine that would happen with you as well. But I will land on the Yokohamas, or excuse me, the Kumos. Mm. The, oh, the, good. the good. Um, Kumos that both you and I have had great experience with, good yes. tire life. Yes. Low noise, great grip, and that's the Extra series. And I'm looking at this Good. new PS91. I was hoping you were going to bring them up. Yeah. Uh, these are the ultra high performance. And what I've heard is I don't know if anybody listening can verify is that Kumho gets the same rubber. They use the same rubber supplier as Michelin, but they don't mm. pass on the cost of advertising to the customer. And therefore, they're a well, lot they're less not expensive. As well known. Yeah, they're just yeah. not. But uh, but Kumos, Todd has had those on his Z car. You've had those on multiple cars, as a matter of fact. I had them on the Z, and I also had them on the uh, on the the 92X as well. I highly recommend those Kumo Extas. I, I totally agree. The thing about it, the way I would look at those uh, those, if you get the ultra high ultra ultra high performance version of that, that there's a series. You can get Extra all seasons, but I'm talking about the ultra high performance summer tire. I would say it's. 
80, 90% of the performance from the uh, Pilot Super Sport at 60, 70% of the cost. Mm -hmm. So weigh that. That's what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I've just, with Bridgestones, you might have asked us to suggest those, but personally, I've always, I've always felt that they, they feel brittle when driving them. They, they have a pretty stiff mm. sidewall and they just feel brittle. That's the best way mm. I can describe it. I feel like I'm losing touch with the road when I've got Bridgestone Interesting. on. Um, but yeah, those are, those are three that we've both taught and I've had great experience with. In addition, of course, to the granddaddy, those are the Pilot Super Sports. If you can pop for those, yeah. definitely, you will notice a difference. They are something else. So, mm -hmm. uh, What else? What else is on this list here? Uh, well, here. I mean, you know, we, we could another hour of podcast. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, let's see. We've got a we got a question here about um, which cars. <laughs> Bryn asked this question. This is this will get us in trouble. Why not answer it? Which cars have had a ton of hype from the press that have left you disappointed after driving them? I can think of two from the last calendar year. Oh, go! I'm curious. Well, one of them, and and I and I will give you I will give you reasons that I think would fix both cars. One of them is the Golf R. The Golf R got just loved on with so much praise, and sure. I felt like it got so close to what I wanted it to be. I felt like it got really close, and I honestly think it got close enough that I suspect the car I wanted was the manual version. But with the DSG, I just, every time I got in the STI by comparison, and look, the STI is not a comparison for usability and niceness of interior and, you know, the calm demeanor that the, that the Golf R can do, but it was more hair on fire. And in that class, I'm looking for hair on fire. And the Golf R just fell short of what I was hoping for while it was getting accolades from everyone. I was like, with the DSG, it's not as fun as it should be. So that I'm very curious to drive it again because we're going to put it with the Focus RS. I'm curious to drive it again with the six-speed manual. I think that may change the situation a bit, but that was definitely one. Hmm, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm curious to hear your other. Uh, well, why you don't have anybody to throw into this mix? The well, other one is... <laughs> I'm, I'm, thinking, other I'm one. thinking because uh, the Golf R is a good one, but I'm thinking... I'm almost going the opposite the, end. The, the, other one, the other one that I have to throw in, and look, we've already beat on it a little bit, and, and, and I have to be really careful here because the car I'm about to mention is a great car, and thank God they make it. It's just I wanted more, and that was the new Miata. It got sure. so much love, so much love, and when I drove it, I just thought, wow, this is soft. And and it's not a it's not a we didn't have the club version. The club version is soft, folks. So it's just that was the thing that shocked me about that car is how soft it is from the factory. Very fun to drive, very approachable, confidence inspiring to a point. And then you're like, why is it rolling so much? But that was the thing. I, it was one of those cars that everything we knew before we got into it is this is going to be revelatory. So maybe we came in with too high expectations. But I got in and thought. There's some real flaws here, mm -hmm. even though, man, I'm glad it exists. Sure. Yeah, I can see those. Bryn, your question kind of made me think of hype from the press or cars that the press is really struggling to find something wrong with when indeed it mm. just isn't there. So my brain kind of went mm. that direction, like the M2. You know, I think people are struggling to find something to say wrong with this car or mm. the the Focus and Fiesta STs or you know cars like that that it's it's sort of yeah they've gotten a lot of hype and deservedly so and let's leave it there sure moving on sure you know what i mean yeah um, okay or, or they're okay. fun for a great reason and and that kind of thing that's kind of what i was thinking of but i, I like both of those choices i'm with you especially on that miata i, I mean I, i'm with you it just I, I don't get it i i'm not seeing what everybody else is well, seeing it's here. just it's here's the thing. I think I think it's one of those celebrations. It, it genuinely, I think in the press especially, it's one of those celebrations of we can't believe this car still exists and is still so good, because the industry has kind of left that whole market. It's kind of walked away from it in every possible way. And here is an analog car with a simple convertible, great gearbox, decent engine, fun to drive, and everybody else has kind of walked off from that. And you can afford it. It deserves to be celebrated. But then you hop in it and go, why is everything so soft? Yeah, yeah. So it was very interesting. Very, very big dichotomy there for me. Pretty um, funny. Pretty okay. funny. So last one that I wanted to cover. Do you have another one there? Uh, not really. Uh, I've talked about okay. a lot of the stuff about the M2, given people the updates on that story. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else here. 
used E9D335 well, or used M235i? Probably oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with Angela you. Well, I mean, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to go one of the hot perform, I mean, I would say if you went 335IS, that's an interesting variable compared to the M235i. But uh, the rest of the 335 of the E90 series, I would say, yeah, I would just go M235 and have a fantastic car and enjoy your day. <laughs> oh, the the very top one here. Joshua is asking us, how many cars is too many to own? I say oh, funny. four. That's a good one to, to leave on. Okay. Okay. Four. Why? Four. So I'm thinking, well, you've got the SUV, and that'll be at least for Utah, the four-wheel drive, the ski truck, the get around, the SUV. Sure. Sure. Cargo kind of, you know, go camping car. And then maybe a sedan, maybe a fast four-door sedan, and then your fun track car. So that's three. Beyond mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. I don't know that, you know, unless you've got the budget to own more, I'm saying four is too many. Three is just right. Interesting. Well, okay. All right. I take that point. I uh, th there's there's I feel like there's two answers. This is a great one, Joshua. Thanks for throwing this out. I mean, here here's the thing. Uh, he he says, you know, what about the Matt Fair amount of cars? Which I think the last tally, we, last time we were on his podcast, we asked him, and he kept he was forgetting cars. He now has so many. It's a bad thing we, when we, you forget cars you own. He 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 went through like a list of seven, and then we brought up a couple he didn't remember. So there was that was funny. Sheesh. But so so that was the question. But then but then he said, what about a Jay Leno amount of cars? I mean, what's too many cars? I would say this to you. We we joked before, you know, what is the pit you throw your money into? If you have a lot of money and cars is your thing, you're going to own a ton of cars. You're going get, to get that warehouse and have them. And I say bless you. If you can do that, great. <laughs> yeah. but, back to, but back to kind of bringing that down to reality a little bit, I, I look at it as do you have something, do you have a tool for every job you'd really do? You know, because right. if you're a person that right. all you do is commute, that's all you do, why do you have three or four cars if that's the only kind of driving you do? But if you're a person that you commute and then you do long road trips and then you do off-road camping and then you do track days, you need different tools for those different jobs. And I, I'm kind of of that mindset. Do you have something that, that meets all those needs? And you actually kind of answered it that way too, Paul. I would say the only variable there is... I think you've got, yeah, you've got your big, what is your big hauling car? And do you need all-wheel drive? Do you need camping capability or just need large? Right, okay? right. So, I mean, I would even say, I mean, look, I'm not recommending you buy a minivan, but if, you, if you're hauling around the entire school band, <laughs> then that's one of the things you need a car for. Then get a minivan and call it a day because it's not the car you're going to drive for any other reason. But, you know, if you're just hauling, so right, you have your car right. that is your hauling car or whatever. Maybe it's all-wheel drive, SUV, whatever. You have that. You have your nice cruising Let's go, uh, I, and I'm going to end it with more cars than you had. Let's go out for, take the family out on a nice drive, okay? Or let's take the family out on a road trip. So you've got a really nice, high-powered, but classy sedan. Maybe you've got a two-seat Grand Tour. you got yourself an Aston Martin Vantage or something like that that isn't really a track car, but it's fast and sleek and fun on a back road. Then you've got your track car yeah. that is just about yeah. that, just a track car. And then if you really want to go nuts, I think the only weird wild car of this weird uh, garage we're building is what's your classic? What is your personal car you have a personal nostalgia connection to? Ooh, you didn't one. buy it because it's the fastest or it's the best or the whatever. You're just like, that car speaks to me. That's and a good I, What one. have I done? I like that. What have I done? Maybe five cars? You're up to like and four I feel or five. Like at, yeah, something like that. I feel like at that point, I'm done because now – I don't now I don't have extra jobs. There's not like a car to fill an extra need there. Granted, I just bought five cars magically. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, that's I think I think there is a limit. I think there's a place at which you start overlooking vehicles because you don't have a place or reason to drive it. And if you own horses, that equation is screwed. All that goes right out the window. So, yeah, you might need <laughs> a pickup truck for hauling hauling things. Um, anyway, other than that, I wanted to come back and wrap the podcast up with part one of the question from Lucas here. He's asking us, oh. why not a longer podcast or maybe twice a week? And he said mm -hmm. he's, having question. he's having withdrawal symptoms while waiting for the next episode. And Lucas, I'll say we're trying to keep it right to about an hour because that's generally what people's commutes are. Whether you're driving or commuting on a train, we'll, longer than an hour commute is a little bit, uh, well, I won't say unheard of, but it's it's not quite You've got common. 90 seconds to wrap this up. <laughs> 
Ay, ay, ay. Sorry, right. go on. Uh, I'm just teasing you. Go on. Um, so we, we're trying to generally keep it to an hour because that does allow us for the idea that actually we've been talking about here lately. Mm-hmm. And that is a mm-hmm. twice a week podcast where we do maybe fewer car debates and more questions. And I think you're right. We're going to get inundated with more Facebook questions. But that's a Which good thing. They, they're like kibbles. You can, we can just little snacky questions kind of thing. But it'll allow about. us to cover more stuff and it'll end up with yeah. the structure kind of like we've had tonight. We start off with either a news or a personal discussion or whatever. We'll cover a car debate in the middle, and then we'll cover a bunch of your Facebook questions. Do that twice a week. It's most likely going to be a Tuesday release, which we've always done. We're going to add a Friday release, so you'll still get two full car debates a week, plus a bunch of your Facebook questions, a lot more things we can cover. That's kind of our plan going forward. So, Lucas, you wanted more podcast. Shazam, here it comes. Uh, and if you, are, if you haven't rated the podcast, Lucas, or anybody listening, if you haven't rated it, please rate it on iTunes and Stitcher. You would not believe how much we're growing right now, and that is entirely due to you guys rating and sharing if you use either platform either android or uh or apple those are the places to find it so uh please do a rating on either place please share it with your friends on either place it has got us firmly in the top 10 we're almost firmly in the top five now so there will be more from us so please keep rating the podcast and when we drop a video which is thursdays as fast as we can is the best way i want to start listening (laughs) when we drop a video please share that and rate that and if you're a reddit user want to post it on reddit we would love that too because any and all sharing is helpful yeah pretty cool even uh, alpha reached out to us last week and asked if we could uh, if they could start using some of our our stuff to promote alpha cars and of course we said absolutely so just saw a tweet today about Alfa Romeo, so pretty cool mm-hmm. to, to uh, kind of be on on the inside with those guys. Great bunch of guys, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah, very cool. That uh, Julia later in the year. But in the meantime, if you have a BMW M2, we would like to drive it. <laughs> so let us know. <laughs> um, and yeah, I uh, I want one anyway, guys. Shocking. Thank you for listening. Thank you for writing Everyday Driver TV at Gmail and Facebook for the questions. And uh, in the meantime, until uh, a few days from now, I usually say till next week, but I can't say that anymore, right? That's true. It is changing. Pretty funny. For the better. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Talk soon.